Welcome to The Dealmaker Show, the number one place for entrepreneurs and dealmakers to learn about leveraging and generating status, frame control, and narrative power to close big deals. Here is your host, investment banker, deal-making expert, and best-selling author of Pitch Anything and Flip the Script, Mr. Oren Claff. Hey guys, this is Oren and you're on the Dealmaker podcast. Today, it's brought to you by Investor Brand Network. In fact, there's a link at investorbrandnetwork.com slash Oren. If you hear anything on this broadcast that says, I need to talk to Oren, I need to talk to IBN, go to Investor Brand Network slash Oren and send us a message and we'll get right back to you. I mean, I won't, no one else will. Somebody will. I mean, if you say, hey, I want to talk to you guys about something, you know, then we won't. But if you put in specifics, what you actually need and want and can do, then we'll get it right back to you. All right. My guest today, bringing him on, is freaking me the hell out. Paul Duffy. Paul. <laughs> uh, so he's the president of Next Tech. Next Tech is uh, a augmented reality company. And so augmented reality is a word that means everything and it means nothing. And Paul, I don't think that we will be doing any justice. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion. I mean, this is augmented reality ground zero. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and so like flying cars, like, um, um, you know, the, the things we've been promised for years, space yeah. stations, space travel, you know, mission to Mars, um, self-driving cars. We've been promised augmented reality holograms for, I don't know, since the Pleistocene era. <laughs> and year after year, it never comes until the most likely person to usher augmented reality in from Star Wars to modern culture arrives. And of course, that person is the great Nobel Prize physicist, scientist, uh, well-known mathematician, Tupac Shakur. Mm. Interesting. Yes. So Tupac arrives and uh, as a augmented reality hologram and the light bulb goes on. This is actually something that can happen. And now, yeah. Paul Duffy will run the rest of the podcast. <laughs> what? What? The, what the fuck is going on in augmented reality? Like, it, it, no, nobody knows. It's a thing. It's coming. Like, I'm on the 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 leading edge of technology. I see everything. There's nothing I don't see. Because of pitch anything, everybody wants to raise money. They come to sure. me and they say, you know, we're doing a colony on the dark side of Mars. Right. And we need, yeah. you know, $50 billion and go get, I see everything, but this is one thing I don't understand. So when they said you were coming on, I freaked out and said, finally, ground zero for understanding augmented reality. Now I stop talking and you tell us the secrets to the universe. All right. I'll try. And here we go. Okay. Wait, I have a question. Um, all right. Shoot. <laughs> no, go let me hear it. But before you go there, let me just say this. <laughs> so I know that Tupac is a great mathematician, but about three, maybe four years ago now, I actually did beam a hologram of Stephen Hawking from his, you know, Potter Lounge, his studio, not really a studio, his lecture hall actually um, in Cambridge, uh, to Hong Kong in a uh, almost two full hour uh, live holographic transmission of him. And, um, you know, so it's it has been around. I did invent patent. You can look it up, actually. Holographic telepresence. It's used quite frequently now. Um, and, you know, the, the whole concept of augmented reality is just galloping in growth right now. And when I say growth, not just in financial terms, but in mindshare, uh, in people understanding its use. I personally believe that over the next decade, the 2020s, um, augmented reality itself will become a new form of mass medium that we will all use to communicate at one level. Um, I think you'll see significant milestones and breakthroughs over the next decade. 
uh, with the technology, ultimately finding its way into a low-cost, lightweight pair of eyewear, uh, controlled through a variety of different functions and features. I may even see it in contact lenses, but ultimately it will be something that resides very close within the context of your field of view, and you will superimpose around you photorealistic, spatially aware elements, people, products, et cetera. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't know, you know, a lot of the Ready Player One fans don't know that Paul Duffy died three years ago. And this, in fact, is... I'm a massive deep fake. (laughs) A a deep fake, holographic avatar of Paul Duffy in which we have deleted all the... We haven't heard any swearing. We haven't seen any pornography, you know, right. uh, in which we've deleted all the bad parts and left the amazing <laughs> parts of Paul Duffy for you to experience at this moment. Okay. So I think me and everyone else have sort of seen Microsoft promote this as a plumber or electrician coming to your house, getting under mm-hmm. your sink or in your thing, not understanding, you know, the wiring diagram, calling back to headquarters right, to some uh, uh, tech, uh, you know, Tim, Joe, Prajish, you know, 19-year-old tech <laughs> pulling up. I, I, totally, yeah. You know, we're getting in trouble already. But I said I Tim, you. Prajish, I didn't just say, anyway. Um, so uh, then the tech pulls up, and then he projects a holographic image over the electrician's box, and there's, you know, press this button, and he's got the solution, and the plumber electrician now knows how to fix whatever it is you have in your house. So that's the version that I think we're all familiar with. Take me to sort of a value, an extreme value proposition that you guys can see, you know, within five to eight years that really like affects Western culture, something that's just going to pop up through the cracks uh, um, that that is obvious to you, but is maybe scary or surprising to us sitting here on the edges, only knowing about the Microsoft plumber and Tupac. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. So I think, you know, probably the most, uh, well, there's several relevant experiences that you're going to see. I don't think they'll be eight to 10 years out. I think they'll be three to five. Um, You know, personally, when you look at any form of advertising right now, you know, whether it's, you know, outdoor or online, you're literally going to click a button or you're going to point your phone and you're going to beam in and view through your phone that product, that person, or that place. If it's a product, you're going to pinch it, it's going to tap to your body, and you're going to zoom it into a fit, you're going to hit lock, and you're going to purchase it. You you know what's happening to me? You're just taking me back to all the dreams I've had where I'm eating a Snickers bar, (laughs) right? And I put the Snickers, and it's it's, it's in REM sleep. I had some sleep issues that I've cured now, so I'm very... Uh, uh, so intimately familiar with the science. So you're in REM sleep, you're paralyzed. Uh, you know, you're that, that's why you feel like you're moving slowly. You finally get the Snickers bar in your mouth and you chomp down on it and you wake up, you know, in a start because there's no Snickers bar there. Right. And that's, that's because of you is going to be real. It's possible, you know, and I'll know how much you, you, you ate and how long you chewed and all that data. <laughs> Uh, so, so Paul, you've had three other software companies in which you've really been the commercialization guy, where a yeah, bunch of guys yeah. have built solutions looking for problems, mm-hmm. right? And so you've seen some yeah. amazing stuff, and then you go, yeah, but what's the TAM? What's the SAM? What's the available market? How do we monetize mm-hmm. this? What are the key assumptions? You know, um, what? Who are the early adopters? How do we reach them? What's the cost of reaching the early adopters? What does the spreadsheet look like? You know, how long are we without income? What does it take yeah. to feed the spreadsheet? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, what what is the cost of acquiring a customer? Uh, you know, what's the lifetime expectation on the early adopters? How do we move into the mass? Uh, yeah. you know, when we move in the mass, how do we adjust pricing? What happens to the early adopters? Where do they go? Can we support both groups? So you have to do all of that. Yeah. As a commercialization guy. Yeah. And so you yeah. haven't, um, you know, gone mad or crazy like everyone else who's done. That. And by the way, there's lots of guys who've done this one time. Right. Yeah. And it, it drives them, you know, to to madness and drugs and alcohol. Uh, and but you have somehow signed up for doing it multiple times. Oh what? yeah, for sure. Yeah. What? I mean, I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. This, this is a strange guy I'm talking to <laughs> right now. No, but that's, that's awesome. Uh, 
so what are the experiences from the past that you're taking? Is this just another thing or is augmented reality special in, you know, are you just sort of stamping out beer cans in terms of commercializing software or is this something that your, your past experiences tell you um, there, there's something different about? Yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I've seen this repeat. Uh, you know, so I've got roughly 30 years that I've always been, I'll call it for lack of a better term, self-employed, you know, building businesses, scaling and selling. And, you know, my first set of business, my first company, CCI, came out of 1992, actually, where I developed uh, computer-based training. Back then it was floppy disks and 386 computers uh, for AT&T Paradigm, if you can believe it. Um, use case there was very simple. We've got thousands of field engineers and we can't bring them in all the time when we want to train them on a product. So can we create simulators where we can model the product and push it out there? So, you know, I worked on that and we scaled that company very fast. It was my partner and I, and I think by about 98, 99 at that point, we'd over 120, 130 employees, uh, a couple different locations. Uh, and then, you know, I could see the advent of the internet impacting the use of effectively corporate training, customer service, et cetera. And so we got really good at that. Um, and then basically in about the late 90s, Thompson Publishing came to us and said, look, we're studying this idea of e-learning. You guys are doing a lot of corporate training. Can we put the two together? And I could see this technology underpinning um, of the internet and the use of online learning sort of intersecting. And I thought, you know, that internet, you know, we're, it sounds kind of coy now, but that's going to become a very powerful medium for us. Let's commercialize our tech on that. And we did. We ended up creating everything desktop, very successful suite of, you know, Office and Windows training products sold all over the world. Um, and we ultimately exited that company in 03 um, to skill pass seminars. And, you know, basically in and around that time, when I sort of sat back and looked at things, it became clear that the next wave, that next new mass medium was not just the Internet, but mobile devices. And again, not a big eureka for everybody, but you could see its penetration. And so with the mobile phone, it became very evident to me that we could use video streaming on mobile phone to do something not too dissimilar to what we talked about with the plumber. It was effectively product training, but for distribution and sales channels but done with a relatively low cost of friction, right? I mean, you're basically sending them through phones. But what I did at that time was rather than build and construct these learning objects to be you know, experienced, I took the subject matter expert, put them in front of a camera with a green screen and yeah. created a digital human experience that could be streamed through your mobile device directly to the point of need. And so in my first businesses, I saw hmm, the internet, all the problems and minutia to scale and sell in that. And there were many. And then when I saw the mobile approach to that, I thought, you know what, there's a reframe here, but it's a lot more powerful and a lot more ubiquitous. So that was wonderful. That business was exited in about 08, 09. It's funny because some of my engineers back now, I you know, probably got back in the game around 2010. You know, I took some time off. My wife was convincing me to walk the dog so I'd get up and get dressed and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, I started to get the itch of what else could we do with the digital human experience? So, and then I saw the Coachella. Well, and yeah. And then were you, by the way, were you far along, far enough along in your career that you could basically uh, cut expenses enough and just go on forever without going back into the work oh, world? Several times. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I you just know, want people listening to yeah. take a deep breath. Now, some of them are in that, but 98% of them are going, mm -hmm. if I sold my company, won the lottery, had an NFT, had a Jordan PSA 10, uh, you know, sitting in a shoebox, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I sold that, let me tell you what I would do, motherfucker. I would go to Hawaii, learn, you know, be a surfer. You need an Iridium phone to find me once a year, and I'd be out of here. What? But every single person, that I know, and I have a unique set of peers who gets to that scenario. I had a friend, this is so good, uh, sold his company, a, a, a founder pulled him into a company as an engineer, gave him 30% of the company uh, during the dot-com. Uh, so he was a you know, little engineer, he wasn't little, uh, a guy named Brian, six foot mm -hmm. two, 
uh, but he he uh, was in the company for a year, and they ended up selling it to Yahoo or something like that for a billion two. His take was three hundred million dollars, paying some taxes, had one hundred fifty million dollars. His previous you know annual salary was eighty five thousand yeah. dollars, right? So he gets the check uh, right down the road here in Claremont Mesa, and he goes down to Ferrari, uh, um, and he buys a nineteen fifty six Fangio, you know, one off, uh, you know, for ten million dollars. He buys a jet boat. You know, that thing was like $11 million. Now, he buys a Porsche Twin Turbo, a Lotus, a Ferrari F40, um, a uh, – so the jet boat, a uh, Lotus Twin Turbo, Ferrari, and one of the things. So there's seven or eight, like, like you know, holy grail purchases. So I go over to his house, but he hasn't bought a new house yet because that's complicated, right, more than buying a boat or a car. You buy a car, they, like, you know, drop it off at your house. So yeah. he's living in a neighborhood in a two-bedroom – Two bathroom, little neighborhood house. And then, you know, the jet boat is sitting out front. The Ferrari F40 is in the garage with like canoes and snowboards leaned up against it. He's got three kids yeah. running around. Like the, and, and so um, they all do that like in the first two weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got a, a, a Porsche 959, you know, sitting on the driveway in the rain next to the jet boat. And, you know, it looks like a, a scene from a movie. Uh, you know, Pablo Escobar lives here. And then what does he do? Five weeks later, he pulls a Paul Duffy, starts a new company, and starts right. going to work ten hours a day, you know, without yeah. hope. You know, a software company pouring money in without hopes, yeah. uh, you know, without reasonable expectation of success. Daily frustrations, working hard, not seeing his family. Right back to being an engineer at SAIC, making eighty-five thousand dollars, same lifestyle. What's going on with you guys? Tell people. You know, it's, Tell people it, it, that it's, hopeless. It's, it's, it's Sisyphus. You guys are Sisyphus. <laughs> you get the rock to the top of the hill, right? Exactly where you want to be. And then God sent his <laughs> hand down. And the mighty shall become the weak. And the pastures of man shall recur upon. Whatever, right? Yeah, so, I got you. Yeah. yeah. Why do we do that? What's going on with you? <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. So I'll tell you, it's an interesting story. I get asked this a couple of times, right? And I don't really wax on it too much, but here's my thought. You know, the, the, the truth is the first 10 years was a complete grind. And I mean, like I said, when you say a grind, everybody can relate to that because they're grinding right now while they're listening. Oh, to dude, I blew through four houses. I, I, I blew through four houses to make payroll. I funded everything. I, you know, basically, you know, I think 120 employees and you're, you're backstopping all of it. We didn't raise any capital. Yeah. We were project by project. I mean, we were the best company on the planet when it came to building computer based. I mean, I built it for Microsoft. They would hire us out of Redmond, IBM, uh, Thompson that I mentioned, uh, Honeywell. I mean, I can go on and on. And, you know, we were frankly unstoppable. Um, but, you know, there isn't, you know, anybody who's ever built a company from scratch that can tell you without their nose growing that they weren't on the brink of, you know, running out of cash, you know, using everything in their network to survive, um, you know, operating globally. Just when you're a kid, you know, I was in my 20s and early 30s, you know, you're scaling all that. You've got people issues. You could have legal issues. You're trying to figure out pricing models. You've got all these things rolling up onto the beach against you. And the only thing that's keeping you going is you're getting more and more orders. <laughs> you wake up here. I got another client. Oh, I got another order. I got, and it's just, you know, you, it, it's like literally riding a rocket. And, you know, I wish I could tell people there's like one silver bullet that, you know, will solve it all. And I, I don't think there is, to be frank. I mean, I wish that there is somebody could tell me, so but in mean, truth, we, yeah. we, we have, you know, we have to talk about next tech and we're, we're going to do that and sure. you and, and the company and everything, but give me a real, if you can, you know, without causing a flashback, you know, and, and sending you into epileptic fit, uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, I can tell you, uh, yeah. I, I got you. So <laughs> a couple. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in Toronto right now. And, you know, in Canada, we're probably known for playing ice hockey. So, you know, I would literally go out every Friday at 7 a.m. and play on a men's pickup hockey team, a uh, fairly good level, way better than I was, for the sole purpose is to abate my anxiety before I went into the weekend to sweat payroll. Because, you know, as you're young and growing like that, 
you're not overly familiar with all the capital instruments that are available for you to do such things. And when your business is growing and you're always forward thinking, you know, I used to live my life in how many payroll runs I could hit comfortably. And I know that sounds a bit crazy today, but you know, when you're younger like that and you got a hundred plus, you know, families on the line, it's a big deal. And so it took me a while to to learn through that. And and I did. I've got, you know, great bankers, I got great accountants and lawyers, and everybody sorted it all out because we were a bit of a success story, right? So I had some good people surrounding me. But that was one area where I found a lot of anxiety. Well, here here's where I think everybody wants to know off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh being in Canada. The beer is really like piss weak. You don't really see it. It's getting better. Come on. But this, I know, but this story was in the past. Yeah. Okay. True. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I go to Canada. We have a place in Whistler. So mm. you're not going to um, school me on Canada right now. Uh, you know, because Whistler is representative of, of all of Canada, as you know. Um, but 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the beer, you know, 10, 15 years ago in Canada, uh, is moose piss. You don't seem like a drug user. Like, so what kind of alcohol, you know, do you guys drink up there? I think that's what people want to know to, to, to blunt the, the pain. Well, up here in Canada, yeah. well, you know, there's, there's, you know, that you're right. The beer's a little weak. Um, scotch is very popular. Um, but you know, you got your standbys too, you know, tequilas and vodkas and gins and, you know, and I'm in Toronto, so it's very cosmopolitan here. Right. Um, it's a little bit different than Whistler. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, and and I can see it now with, with particularly in Toronto, you know, very multinational. Um, so what used to be just beer has now, you know, you've got a wonderful selection, you know, of virtually everything. Yeah. Well, um, guys, I'd like to introduce you to the spokesman for the Canadian uh, Bureau of Tourism. There we go. Uh, He'll be sharing. I think they might actually be a client of ours. (laughs) 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 I'm not kidding. (laughs) So, so by the way, my my son, we can talk about this later, plays, he's been playing ice hockey since he was three. Oh, he's quite good. Yeah. Uh, He's a good player, but we're in Southern California. So we have to Mm. go to an ice rink. So we take him to the ice rink two, three times a week diligently as parents. Right? Yeah. But then kids move here from Vancouver and Toronto and Minnesota. And those little kids, yeah. wonderful little kids are on the ice. So we are now have him on the ice 12 times a week. And right there behind that wall, I had to build an ice hockey rink right here behind that wall. That's not a hologram, uh, which we got to talk <laughs> about hologram, an ice hockey rink in our warehouse. So he can be on the ice 12 times a week to get on a B team. In Southern yeah. California. So it's yeah. very competitive. Uh, and, and hopefully we can get sort of augmented reality players. Yeah, I mean, I just, like, I just, we got to get there. Uh, but but we're in Paul. It's coming, by the way. Right now. <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine. So, you know, Super Checks? Sure. Uh, yeah, so he has a Super Checks machine in our living room, which is why my wife is trying to find a divorce lawyer. If you know a good divorce yeah. lawyer, just send it to my no. wife. She's looking. Uh so, so we have a super checks machine in our living room, uh, and but I just can't imagine, you know, that level of play and mechanics out mm-hmm. in the warehouse as augmented reality. What that is going to do, right? Because if you think about uh, getting back to AR, if you think about professional race car drivers, so they're now spending seventy percent of their time in AR rigs, in uh, um, i racing rigs. Right. 30% because that actually translates to track. In fact, they, ju- you know, when they have tournaments for all like the little uh, non race car drivers, but people, people just learn, you know, racing mm. on a computer and an iRacing rig, and they bring the actual race car drivers to those tournaments. The sense was like, you know, the guys who are just video game artists are mm. going to win against the race car. The race car drivers with the combination of reality and the iRacing rig actually win those tournaments over just the uh uh, computer game jockeys so so what ar is going to bring to those kinds of sports where you can put the kids in real world situations without Mm -hmm. um you know without being on the ice now you're going to have kids in southern california being able to compete against kids in minnesota who can skate when they come home in their backyard i mean it's just it's just it's 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 mind-boggling i mean this ar to me to get back on it it's like 
I mean, I want to stop everything else I'm in and just focus on that because it feels like as big as the internet when you really start exploring the business cases, the value propositions, and the- I think it's going to be bigger. I mean, to your earlier point about, you know, sort of successive waves and where things have come about, it's why at the beginning when we were talking, I said, you know, my personal feeling is it's going to become one of the new mass mediums of this decade. The same way mobile became a medium, the same way internet, the same way, you know, basically video is, um, it's going to become omnipresent. And to your point, you're going to see miraculous types of experiences. And these are just the things we're thinking about, you know, as well as I do, once people start doing this and the network effect takes over, the stuff that's going to come out of it, it's going to be extraordinary. But just extraordinary. Yeah. Before my next question, I have to point something out. Do okay. People, do people tell you that you look like Joe from Ballers? No, really? but I do I'm, like that show Ballers, and yeah, I will mention that to my wife. Let me let me share my screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. You thought I meant uh, Dwayne Johnson? No, I know exactly who you're yeah, talking I meant, about. <laughs> I meant Rob Cockery, right? Have you put glasses on this guy? It uh, could be him, right? Maybe I'm it is. My screen. Yeah. You Let's know. See, can we zoom maybe in? He threw in acting and he got into AR. There you go. I think you're more handsome than that guy. That's polite of you. So, okay. I just wanted to point that out because it was kind of bugging me. Uh, <laughs> good show though. Yeah. Great show. So, uh, I want to get into tech. I want to get into money. I want to get into value proposition. And then I want to mm -hmm. get into how me listening to this and my company can move in this direction. But first I think what, what scares you most about this technology? Like what gives you look? Oh, you know, that's a good question. And, and I, you know, when you talk to, to guys like me who, you know, kind of find it fun to commercialize, yeah. um, you know, we, you know, I, I tend to look at, um, you know, when you would say, Hey, what scares you most? I look at that really not so much as a problem, but as an opportunity, and that sounds cliche, um, to figure out how to rationalize and turn that into, you know, value, you know, depending on how you want to define value. Um, so, what I see right now, and I say this with, you know, a global sales team, there's 300 folks at Next Tech. We talk every day, you know, about what's happening and where the opportunities are. But you guys have what, three, 300 people? Yeah. Right. We're in, in a very fast growing business. Wow. Huh? Yeah. Internally? Yeah. Uh, I mean, or. You know, full time. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 We're a three-year-old company. I mean, okay. and we've just been scaling. Pardon? Correction to that number. It's 301 because I just submitted my. Uh, Your resume? All right. Resume and application. We're going to turn you into a hologram. Or, and I'm telling you, let me show you how we're going to beam you so you can stand right here and people can talk to you in their room and in your house. And then they'll take selfies and you'll go viral. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, but yeah. but, but kind of here. So, so here's where, you know, what I see is, and, and, I, and I like this, but it is a challenge. I'm seeing at a global level a large adoption of the technology. And, and what I mean by that is there's more and more folks like you, Oren, who are seeing it as a technology that they can apply and they can use to gain value intrinsically in what they're already doing. That's the, well, the key. Correction is I'm seeing it and freaking out and going, if somebody understands this better than I do in my business, faster than I do, I feel like I could take yeah. go from leadership position yep. into going, uh, uh, hi, um, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is MySpace right. and Xerox. No, no, you're, you're, and yeah. Blackberry yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, deck and, and, yeah. you know, no, but so, you're, you're right. I mean, that's, that's, you know, my polite Canadian way of saying it is I'm hearing it from a lot of different sources, but that's what we're hearing. Is brands get yeah. out of me that if I yeah. don't get control of this, yeah. somebody is going to disintermediate and remove me from the success track that I'm on to yeah. going, Bruh, you know, what just happened and how do I catch up? Oh, I know how I catch up, like how I always need to catch up with money, and and yeah. and then I'm out there. So, um, well, well, before we get to that, put on your your Al Qaeda hat. For a moment. 
I don't know, know if I have one of those. <laughs> Put on, oh, sorry. <laughs> Put on your bank robber hat. All right, there we go. <laughs> right? You know, okay. um, put on your your hacker hat how do we you know what should we expect to see on the dark side of this technology oh you mean what are the uh the negatives yeah. um you know it's interesting i was i had a very good conversation with somebody on this internally one of our engineers um about this idea of uh the propagation of um deep fakes yeah. you know the ability to see the technology and so the reason that's rational is in time, and I mean within 12 months, video like you and I are in at the moment will certainly have machine learning techniques built into it that'll start shading us and giving us depth in 3D. And then that vector will allow us to pull that content, stream it, and then view it as a hologram through the phone, uh, and then eventually the eyewear. Yeah. So, you know, we're not far from that, you know, and I say far, a year or two out. And so, you know, why that is important is that the ability now to fake um, your presence in my room is real. And so, you know, what I'm also seeing similarly is the vector around, you talked a little bit earlier about NFTs and stuff. In my mind, it's more, you know, crypto content that's got yeah. some sort of binding agreement to say it's unique. Yeah. Um, you know, those bits are going to start to materialize as a bit of an offset, if you would, to that potential danger. Um, and I don't think it'll be per, per, uh, solely in the domain of humans. I think you'll see it with products. You'll see it with places and others because, you know, it is quite interesting uh, what you can do, um, you know, from a, I'll just call it from a, a fake point of view, like a deep fake point of view. Um, I don't lay awake at night worrying about any of that. You know, it's not something that we spend time concerned about. Um, but that's one area that just we, we popped up when we were sort of brainstorming around sort of. Right sides of the opportunity. Pops into my yeah. mind, okay. right? Uh, I, I wasn't bullied as a kid, unfortunately, uh, and I'm much better now. But I was mm. the the other side of bullying. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Not, not proud of that part, but you know, I wish you can admit it. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, we can get into that another time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I grew up in an age where you could change your own report card. You know, like go to the mail. Yeah. The good you old know, days <laughs> where, where Xerox machine, you could, you know, change right. your report card or intercept. There wasn't iPhone. There wasn't like kid. So I was able to protect my parents from a lot yeah. of the horrible characteristics in my base personality, which are all, of course, now fixed all of them. Mm -hmm. of uh, but, but where my mind goes is, you know, somebody's asleep in bed and somehow I figure out how to project their worst, you know, nightmare. And they wake okay. up in this sort of, um, uh, you know how you can wake up and you see the folded laundry, you know, on a chair and it looks like the, the Grim yeah. Reaper because it's night and it's scary and your brain is in that certain cocktail of, um, uh, you know, chemicals running through it mm -hmm. where it's particularly sensitive to noise and images. So I project that person's worst nightmare from having mm -hmm. done research on LinkedIn and watch the podcast yeah. like this. And then they have a heart, you know, a heart attack or, you know, a brain aneurysm or something. And I've killed somebody using an hologram. Yeah. I'm that, not sure. That that okay. What's that? That's, that's a step too far. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, they'd have to wake up with something that they could view the hologram through. Um, which is possible, but you know, not likely. So, uh, so how far yeah. is it to, the the non how far are we to um having no contact lenses or no glasses and just you know really having the the uh star wars princess leia projection without any interpreting technology you know glasses or contacts or yeah no i got you yeah 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 so there's there's well there are a couple ways um you could do it today um you know ultimately it's a lighting gag you know at the end yeah. of the day when you see that and so you need some sort of source for that light to render on more importantly for it to bounce back so you can see it and you know you can accomplish uh very real looking versions of that prince leia princess leia uh, hologram using um you know air filter and water droplets oh, wow. um, coming down uh, so i guess in theory we could set up a scenario where you could wake up and see it over there your, your um, long past grandmother uh, yeah exactly. the ring 
the ring. Conjures up in the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do not project. Listen, I have a lot of years left in me. Do not project the chick from the ring into my bedroom at 2 a.m. That yeah. is going to take years off my life. Just heads up. Okay. Well, now that, now that you coughed up the bullying stuff, I'll I'll just go and seek some of those, you know, yeah, kids right. from the other side and conjure them up. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Yeah. Okay. Value pro I, um which businesses are going to be able to take advantage of advantage of this earlier now? Sooner. Yeah. Sooner yeah. So than later. Who should be on this today? That as fast as things are changing from what you see on the oh, inside yeah. is, mm. is basically screwing up their potential as a, you know, as a leader by not at, you know, going to, I think we gave the link investor brand network, uh, slash Oren <laughs> or how, Paul, how do people reach you? Well, just come to our website, nexttechar.com. Nexttechar.com. Um, so, so go to one of the, who, who has to be doing that like right now? Well, it's it, it's great. I mean, there's there's three key areas I would you know highly encourage, um, and we're you know full throated into, which is why our growth is where it's at. The first one and most obvious is if you're a brand and you sell through e-commerce, you have to use augmented reality. I mean, full stop. People need to be able to see your product. They need to experience it, to visualize it, to take a. If I want to buy this shirt, I should be able to have a hologram of it, walk into my closet and line it up, color match it to my clothes and then buy it, click. Um, you know, so, so e-com is a big one. The second one, Oren, is, you know, we're doing, um, you know, like an event right now. It's just you and I yeah. and your audience. But in truth, you know, we have a full-on digital experience platform for running hybrid and virtual events. And all of those use some form of holograms. Whether you're in a booth or I want to beam a keynote speaker into my room, if I want to be the keynote speaker and beam onto the stage, that's huge. Um, and that is just growing like crazy. And then the third area is anybody, again, who has a brand, who does any form of advertising, they should be thinking about augmented reality ad units, putting their spend into AR ad units. Because if I don't go to your website, I don't need to go to your website, but if I can see your ad and I can click on it and I can bring the car in, I can bring the shirt in, I can bring these glasses, I can bring whatever I want in, I should be able to do that directly from the ad. And so those are three kind of must-have areas um, that, you know, frankly, that's why our business is growing is we're, we're active in all three of those, right? Um, and, you know, and that's just, that's right now. In 2022, I just think it's going to get crazier and 23 even bigger. So it, it is a, a rotation into a, me a new medium <laughs> yeah. good question you know what what movie am i thinking of well oh minority report okay yeah that's old <laughs> so so uh all right uh i'm thinking of minority report but when they're running through the mall and everything and they yeah. have all these projections of ads right and yeah. the ads are then reading your retina and then projecting something that you would be interested in and then yeah. trying to interact with you. Yeah. 2021, 2025, Uh Well, yeah, a bunch of patents on that from like 2018. Um, yeah. You know, the idea though is it's it's essentially, so so here's kind of how that that works. And, you know, when is it available? I would say probably from a, from a, a, a mainstream point of view as opposed to, you know, limited, I'll call it early adopter type stuff. Let's, let's early adopter, right? Okay. Oh, early adopter stuff. Yeah. I think right now um, you'll probably see a number of, I'll call them destinations, malls, airports, et cetera, um, beginning to implement that now. I know we have folks that we speak to specifically about this. Um, and it's not like we're the first in that game. There's others that have been working in this area where ultimately what you're doing is you're using device awareness to create programmatic targeting of those ads to that individual. And then you're using sensors from that location to determine male, female, age groups, cohorts, body movement, dwell times in front of the space. If they dwell longer, boom. You know, we have tech within our ad stack, uh, tech within our ad stack right now, where we will use, you have to give us permission to do it, but through the camera, 
yeah. we'll use machine learning and AI to determine various facets around the sentiment in the moment. So if I wear a pair of glasses and I'm looking at a series of micro expressions and our machine learning is telling us that, you know, you're vectoring towards like or dislike, we yeah. can programmatically serve up the right content. And so I don't think we're that far off, you know, Lauren, I think that's a, you know, a 22, 23 timeframe. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. THX 1138. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you who you're scaring the shit out of is uh, a, a small community called the polar bear. They're like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't need actual polar bears to, uh, you know, make kids happy and, uh, and, and you can just, you know, project them and they can interact and detect your emotions. And, uh, so possibly, but I mean, the truth of it is hopefully, you know, what, what occurs is that it, it proliferates and you get more polar bears, right? You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's always a good side to it. Yeah, of course. Well, they, I mean, one thing I do recognize about you you know, is I'm kind of throwing jab, jab, right hook, but I don't have an interview where you're giving me the interview you gave last time. So I am kind of on your case, but I do think we're getting a fresh view from Paul Duffy on how this technology yeah. is really, you know, gonna, gonna unfold. I think the scariest thing in reality I'm hearing is that this is not 2030 and you have a bunch of catch up time. And that if you're a 50, 75, 300 person company, you need to have a couple people on this now. I remember uh, oh, yeah. I was running, I was running a software company and a uh, intern came to me about the internet. Right. Mm. And, uh, and I was like, thouest do not knowest about technology such that I have uh, developed in the kingdom of my reign, get thee to the stables. <laughs> is what I told this wench. And then she went on to start a $80 million uh, internet company. Yeah. So, so I'm done with your local area network. I'm going to the web. <laughs> uh, I mean, so, I mean, we, we, were a, we were a boxed software company that shipped. And she's like, hey, let me explain oh. you the internet. Get thee to yeah. your stable, wench. Uh, so that was uh, sad for me. But I feel like this is another one of those moments. And I'm super excited about it. Uh, in, in re really quickly, two things, re revenue model. What is the most obvious specific revenue model that you, um, you know, are seeing today that, that actually makes sense. So for guys like me who are like, Hey, we are, we don't have an R and D department mm -hmm. or a 25 person company. We have a revenue department. We have a chief yeah. revenue officer. We don't yeah. have a chief, uh, scientist yeah. where to look to revenue. Well, in our case, you know, we have a subscription model for our LiveX platform, right? Well, that's your revenue model, but for a client, yeah. you know, for a company, wh wh where do they go out? You know, I, I understand you want people to pay you money. That makes perfect sense. By the mm -hmm. way, if you have any money, give it to Paul, all right? Because you can help you out. <laughs> give uh, it to Next Tech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> give it, well, give it to, you know, uh, here's Paul. Send it to Paul in Bitcoin. Right. Uh, that's right. Uh, right. Hey, uh, all you securities guys, we're joking. It's a joke. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't say anything about the stock. Uh, future performance of the stock is uh, past performance is not an indicative of oh. any future performance of the securities. And some foreseeable impact may exceed this helmet's ability to protect the user. Give that, disclaimer. that was good. Oh. <laughs> where should where should where should we see the first real revenue impact for users come from as, as a use um, case as a specific use case well you know if you're a brand right and you know in in your case if it's you personally it's yeah. in your ability to become a hologram yeah. and then beam into uh, through a phone again, or through again the phone into yeah. the, any location. The the value there, Orin, is that you're now not restricted to this little window we're in. Yeah, you can move around, you can yeah. pull in, you know, whatever you want. So that's it. That's one there. If you're a brand, so a product, um, you know, again having a holographic version of your product, it should be across all your channels, right? I mean, everything that you're using your phone for should have an ability for you to click and literally pull in that product whenever you want it. And I, I can tell you from our, our use case, our, our clients, 
people pull up holograms of their product while they're shopping in a store and they buy it through the e-com website, even though the product's sitting on the shelf and the hologram. I mean, it's remarkable what people are doing with this. Awesome. You know? Yeah. So, you know, I think I can tell you lock your doors at night or don't lock them. It doesn't matter. I'm coming in. <laughs> I will see you. So we're going to do an event, right? You and I, uh, we're going to we do are. an event, yeah. right? So next yeah. week we're, I'm, I'm, like I said, you know, don't worry about your doors. Put something over your windows because I'm there coming you into You're your coming. living room. I love tell it. us, tell us something that I should have asked a long time ago, because, uh, you know, sometimes I talk to companies, mm -hmm. right. And, you know, I think they're 500 person companies, but from the way they talk and the technology they have and the partnerships and agreements, you know, mm -hmm. and then I find out it's three people, a dog, and they're actually at Starbucks. Um, <laughs> so tell us about the, co the actual company. Cause I think we're, we're frightened and interested and excited about the technology, but what's oh, sure. going on? with the company. Yeah. yeah. Well, Next Tech is an amazing company, right? And I mean, Oh wait, and I mean, work for? Yeah, exactly. Right. Founding in and yeah. stock in as, yeah. is yeah. an amazing company. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Shocker. Right. That's, so can, everybody sit down. Yeah, I know. Right? Amazing. So, so, you know, but I mean, here's the, fr the, the, the frame on it. It's, yeah. it, you know, ultimately it's a tech company that puts augmented reality into everything. And, you know, in the early days, you know, in our world, 2018 was an early day. Um, you know, it, it was all about, you know, e-commerce. Where could we find value with augmented reality? And really, ultimately, that netted out to how do I convert a shopper to a buyer in the context of an e-com website, right? I mean, that was kind of the beginning of the beginning. And even back then, the AR, very limited, but it ran through your browser, so you didn't need an app. Sure. And, you know, and what we did early was we acquired e-commerce businesses. One was a vacuum cleaner company um, specifically to study the customer's journey. And, of course, the recent, you know, uptick in sales from work from home, shop from home, you know, that business has thrived. And ultimately, as we began putting AR into streaming video, COVID hit. And it became very clear that we could somewhat pirouette from e-com into events and experiences yeah. virtual, right? And so that took off. And then in January, we brought in Harich Achi, who's formerly head of Microsoft Online, uh, to run our AR ad network because our e-com business had a thriving base of AR ads and shocker events are themselves private marketplaces with a lot of attendees that them, you know, can utilize, you know, not spammy ads, but very programmatic, very product positioned ads or sponsorships. And so all of that worked out quite well for us. And so the business has been growing, it's been thriving. You know, we're, we're, we're clocked out in uh, 2020 with about 17 and a half, 17.8 million in revenue, uh, probably carried about 2 million additional into backlog for 2021. Yeah. Um, we've had eight successive quarters of growth um, you know, and, uh, you know, we just keep, we, we don't think we're going to stop obviously. Um, but that's what I mean when I say it's a great company, it's, it's got the fundamentals, um, you know, as a commercialization guy and, yeah. and you know, always inside the, you know, I'll call it either the, the, the key owner or one of the founders, you know, it's wonderful to watch the formative planks of this business come together where it sits today. And why I'm very bullish on it is the executive uh, leadership team. There's about 15 of us, and it is a who's who in technology from SAP, from Apple, from Norton, from Disney, um, you know, and Microsoft. Uh, and these folks are just, you know, there to thrive in the company. So, and that's why I'm excited by it. Yeah. And I, I think here's what I'm excited. You guys have the triangle, right? So mm -hmm. if you go to Silicon Valley, uh, people will say two things. One is teams win, right? Mm -hmm. That, yeah. That's the most important thing, but they invest in technology and teams secondarily. They'll say teams win first, but you because they kind of need to, but yeah, you have to. <laughs> by the way, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, is somewhere that whatever you hear is not what you're hearing, yeah. it, right? It's a yeah. land of opposites. What is up is actually upside down. Uh, time is not time, money is not money, people are not people, and everything yeah. is backwards and reversed. But they will say teams win which is correct, but 
uh, that is not the first principle. The second principle is the other side of your or corner of your triangle, which is technology. So you have team, technology, and money. And then the things you don't have is some 29-year-old MBA venture capitalist telling you what to do. So you have the four elements of just what I see across 20 years really make great companies. And I'm hugely excited by it. Yeah. yeah. Paul, I will see you next week. We're going to do this again. Thank you for your patience and your easy smile and your authenticity. We, I'll tell you this. Here's what I like about you. We'll get people on here. And again, they have canned comments about the technology, about the mm. company. And they tell us, A, what they think we want to hear. B, something that's scripted and they've said on CNBC a thousand times. And what do we get? Uh, a donut hole. Yeah. But I think you really came and and tried to answer the questions authentically and honestly, and that is something that's pretty rare in a senior executive of a big company like this, especially with someone as experienced as you are. You know how they get up, the football players? Uh, so, uh, uh, Deshaun, tell us about the um, first uh, half. You know, what do you think? Well, you know, yeah. we had a good first half. I think we got to put a little bit more effort on defense. The offense, uh, you know, really seemed to be throwing the ball well. We got to move it down the field a little bit more. I feel like, you know, they're playing a good team. Lots of respect to the other team. Thank you very much. So that's usually what you get. But I yeah. think you really gave some uh, thoughtful answers. Yeah, hopefully it was a little deeper than that. <laughs> <laughs> much deeper. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, look. This has been the Dealmaker Podcast. I've been here with Paul Duffy of Next Tech AR. Uh, hey, if, if you are interested in this subject, we have been sponsored here today by Investor Brand Network, and you can find out more about any of this by going to Investor Brand Network slash Oren. Paul, thank you for being here, and I will see you here. Uh, we'll be doing this again next week this time. I think so. All right. Okay. Cool. Thanks. All right, Mark. Take care, buddy. Hey, thanks for listening. And be sure to stay tuned for more great content from Oren Claff.